Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. They got the shock of my life the other night. I realised that Stephen Ireland is still playing football. Oh yeah! Not only they is he started. still playing football, he started. Yeah, he was quite good as well. Yeah, like he he was playing for Stoke at Old Trafford, so it's hard to excel. Mm-hmm. But he was actually not awful. Played for ninety minutes. Do you know the last time Stephen Ireland played for 90 minutes? It's got to be about two seasons ago. Yeah. Easily. An Ireland call-up is on the way. (laughs) (laughs) Where's Houlihan's getting on? (laughs) Uh, Do you remember his car? The the pink car? Yeah. Do you remember this? Like a Range Rover? It was a black Range Rover with pink tyres. Yeah. You don't uh, remember this? No. Stephen Ireland I was fa- expecting famous it. for having a fish tank with inbuilt Wi-Fi. <laughs> Sorry, what? Did you not know this? No. He, he has a huge fish tank in his, or I, he did have when he was at Man City, a huge fish tank in his house, and it had inbuilt Wi-Fi. Like, because it was so big, then he could access the Wi-Fi anywhere in the house. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's next level shit. But I was expecting a pink Range Rover with black tires. And not the other way around. I don't think the pink, the no, the black Range Rover with pink tires. As a man who's currently wearing a pink jumper, I don't think that's the worst thing you could have ever done. No, there are there are worse ways to spend money. There's plenty of worse ways to spend money. <laughs> anyway, that's enough of that. Joining me, Ian McCourt, on today's One Football Podcast is once again Andre Gonzalez. Hello, and Lewis Ambrose. Hello. It's been a while since we had a continuity like that. Yeah, I true. can't remember the last time we You did need that. to keep keep stats on the podcast so you can check things like that. Oh, that's a good one. And then you could align it to how many people actually listen to the podcast. And if you get <laughs> if you get below a certain number, you're not allowed back on. Yeah. Well, no, shouldn't it be the following podcast? You know. Like if, if I follow Dan Burke and Danny Isroff and they mm-hmm. had an awful week and yeah. people don't listen to me, that's not my fault. Yeah, but usually when things go wrong, it's not the, the player's fault but it's the you know the coach. <laughs> so, so you're saying we should fire Damo McCall out great uh, <clears throat> good to know uh, should you wish to get in touch listeners it's podcast at onefootball.com get all your questions in there or you can get onto iTunes give the pod a rating let us know how you think we are doing now I want to start today with some transfer talk Alexis Sanchez is a Chelsea Man City Man United Arsenal player anybody know? Mm, no no that's Does good, Alexis Sanchez know? He's technically an Arsenal player. Yeah. He doesn't want to be. Okay. Well, he seems to have a couple of options at the moment. One of them is definitely not Manchester City, though. Anybody know what's happened there? I thought it was his dream to sort of play under Pep again. Yada, yada, yada. Yeah, it sounded like it. Um, in the summer, again, this winter, whether it was going to be this winter or at the end of the season on a free transfer, and Arsenal were talking to Man City and Alexis and his agent had agreed everything with Man City and then Man United tried their luck. And Alexis and his agent received better offers from Manchester United than City had put on the table, um, including an agent's fee worth £10 million. Not really. Uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, that's, that's, the, that's the offer from yeah. Manchester United. Um, so the agent, who had already agreed all of the terms with Man City, went back to them and said, actually, we have a better offer now, match it. And they had some discussions and decided, yeah, you're right, thanks. And there were rumours of 400000 a week for... Sanchez at Manchester United? Yeah, before tax. Wow. But, yeah, it's, uh, I think it will make him the fourth highest paid player in the world, behind Messi, Ronaldo and Neymar. 
I'm just trying to compute that <laughs> you're, you're trying to, pro- process, you know, to process all the information. So he would be the fourth best player in the world. Best paid player. But not necessarily the fourth best player in the world. No, and 29 yeah. years old. And like at the beginning of the contract, we've all seen the way that Alexis plays. And I think, I think it would be reasonable to have doubts that if he has a four-year contract at the age of 33, he won't be able to play anything... Close to the way that he plays would, now, the way he exerts himself. You would need to to adapt to, to a total different way Enormously, of playing. Yeah. And I'm 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 not seeing him doing that. Yeah. Speaking of adapting, I would put it to you, Dre, that yeah. he would be a better fit at Manchester United than he would at Manchester City. Hear me out. You think about how tactically disciplined Pep Guardiola's side are. Hmm. That's not Alexis Sanchez. And no, not at all. Matt. Pep or Jose Mourinho, let's say Pep Mourinho, uh, likes to give his forwards, you know, a bit of space to just go do their thing. Whereas, and that's exactly what I think Alexis Sanchez would be good at. Yeah, probably. I feel like both both managers are um, a bit of a tactics freaks mm-hmm. in in, a, in very different ways. Um, but yeah, you said it, that you uh, would probably have a better chance of starting at, at Man United than Manchester City right now. But but we're we're also saying that because um, Manchester City looked like a, an unbeatable team until last um, Sunday. It was Sunday. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I if I if I, if I if I was on um, Alexis' shoes, I'll. Probably go for Man United. It would be better. I can see him having more minutes there than in um, than in that city. I think he'd be, well, possibly be the star at Man United going forward with the famous number seven shirt. Like you can picture it quite easily. I think. I I think he'd win a lot more at Man City, and I think I think he could actually add something that maybe isn't in the Guardiola team at the moment. Where oh, yeah. you where you talk about. Um, the the tactical discipline, everybody mm. having really rigid instructions, but you know everybody has their job. But Alexis, like Arturo Vidal did when he joined Bayern Munich, would add sort of more of a, a chaos factor and unpredictability, and that possibly, as we saw at the weekend, Klopp said before the game that Man City's greatest strength is that everybody knows what they're doing all the time, and Klopp turned that into a weakness. That's how Liverpool won because they knew exactly what Man City were going to do all the time. You don't know what Alexis is going to do, because he doesn't quite fit into just doing what he's told. And I think that might be something that Man City are missing. Hmm, interesting. Is there, are, who would be the biggest loser at Old Trafford, should Alexis join? Martial, Martial or, think, or Lingard, yeah. who's playing a lot at the moment. Uh, yeah, I think Lingard would, would keep his place. I think Martial would be the the loser on, on this and he's this been amazing equation yeah would you prefer Sanchez over a young Martial yeah, I think that's the question isn't it it depends I, on the opponent also I, I think this season you probably want Alexis Sanchez but if he's going to sign a four or five year contract the the player that Martial could become in three four five years mm-hmm. is going to be better than Alexis is in three or four or five years mm, good point uh, there isn't any sense, and maybe this is just me being mischievous. There isn't any sense that United are just buying him to spite City. <laughs> I don't think so. No, because I'd be I, I wouldn't. As a club, I don't think that's the worst tactic you, know, you could ever do. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I don't think they're above it. 
but you don't think they're doing it in this case I think I think you could argue that in some cases but Alexis genuinely adds something to Manchester United Uh, so I I think there are reasons other than that to do it okay and his season so far has been poor though because you've you've watched Um, a bit of him for Arsenal yeah yeah of course I think he's he's been more individualistic I don't think he's actually been much worse than the last few seasons. I think last season was his best season at Arsenal. I think he's been a bit worse than last season. I don't think he's much worse than two years ago. Probably about the same. He's created a lot of chances that haven't been scored. And if you look at his goals, his assists, had a few of his teammates put away good chances that he's created, that his goal and assist numbers would be pretty much in line with his other seasons at Arsenal. So, And I also don't think he's the type to switch off. I think he might get greedy and get, you know, just sort of all thinking about himself but I don't think he just switches off and doesn't perform Would you be suggesting that he would be a negative influence on the dressing room? Uh, I I think that much is accepted yeah the London Even Standard had today uh, that Arsenal have pleaded with the club with Arsene Wenger to make sure the deal was done before Saturday because they don't want him anywhere near the squad they don't want him in training while they're preparing for another game Um, yeah there have been reports plenty of reports over recent months that he doesn't really get along with anyone in the dressing room. Yeah, he has no real sense. friends at the club. Yeah, and the same is, with Chile, this I think. Is, yeah, also with Chile. But this is something that, that happened. In, in the last summer, there were rumors that he wasn't talking to a lot of people in a dressing room. Aaron Ramsey being one. Um, That's the biggest one. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's a six-month uh, now. It's it's too much. It's it's impossible to, to you know, go back. There was a, a report leaked sort of out of the Chilean national team a few months ago saying that Alexis, he does just come across as a bit of a strange character, I think. And it said that when the Chilean national team are together and they they go for lunch after training or breakfast when they get to training or whatever, he sits on a table on his own and puts Mm. his headphones on and doesn't join in with everybody else. I, I think any problems in the dressing room are because of his character, but not necessarily because he wants to leave. Okay. Well, I feel like that sometimes. I just don't want to talk to people. <laughs> anyway, one of the more interesting stories to emerge over the weekend, Lewis, concerns Aubameyang and Dortmund. What happened there? Yeah, so Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang was left out of Dortmund's squad to play against Wolfsburg on Sunday. Because? Because he missed uh, an important team meeting the, right. the night before. He was called, it was arranged, Peter Stöger wanted to have a big team meeting before the first game of the second half of the season and sort of just set everybody up to get right going from the off. And Aubameyang didn't turn up. He told them that he forgot. Peter Stöger said live on TV on Sunday. He told us we forgot. And we know that that's a lie. I, I, I think you don't forget something like that. He just stopped answering his phone, apparently, and, yeah, didn't show up. And it's the third time in a year that the club have banned him from playing in a game because of certain minor misdemeanours. Mm-hmm. It's a wayward attitude. Yeah, I mean, I think something that's not been mentioned enough is uh, an Instagram post, actually, from Aubameyang, which doesn't strike you as the most reliable behaviour. But so on Saturday night, he he posted on Instagram, a German journalist on a live talk had used a word that is a common idiom in Germany, essentially saying the same in English as that Aubameyang's monkey business wouldn't be accepted at Bayern Munich. And Aubameyang doesn't speak German, not very well, and saw the word and Googled it and pictures of monkeys came up and he felt, I think perfectly reasonably, that he was being racially abused. Um, 
the reaction in Germany is been not sympathetic at all strangely i think it's such a common phrase that people are used to they they think he's he's crying wolf and trying to get attention even uh rafael honigstein has said that he thinks it was done to manufacture a move which i think is quite no. a, a really callous claim um on something such a sensitive topic and I think that should be taken into consideration more when we're talking about whether or not he didn't turn up to the team meeting out of spite or trying to force a transfer or anything. I, he seemed genuinely hurt by by what happened and his dad as well from his activity on social media. Which has since been deleted as well. Yeah. Yes. Uh, there's no way back from him really, is there at this stage? Dortmund, Dortmund obviously aren't going to close any doors. I mean, Peter Stoger said that he doesn't think he should leave or he doesn't think he needs to leave. Um, they've got a striker who gets on with everybody in the dressing room despite taking flights on his days off without the club's permission and things like that to attend birthday parties. I, he's he's such a... I think he, the way he plays, the way he acts on the pitch is actually what he's like in person as well. He's actually quite humble despite all of the flashy clothes and cars. He's quite reserved and he just laughs and smiles all the time. The dressing room loves him in uh, Dortmund. He's, Marco Reus is his best friend, uh, which I think is not insignificant. So... I think, and, and like I said, Dortmund have a striker who scores pretty much a goal every game. I don't think they would be horrified if he had to stay, but equally, he's 29 at the end of the season, and if they can get 60 or 70 million in for him now, they definitely wouldn't turn it down. My biggest worry is who's going to appear in the rap videos with Marco Royce <laughs> once Aubameyang goes. Or, or which, which player from a prospective club would appear in them with Aubameyang. That's it too. Who's Dortmund going to sign to replace well, uh, a man like Aubameyang? Rumors that it's Giroud. Well, there was talk in the summer about Giroud and Aubameyang being exchanged in a deal, mm -hmm. taking Aubameyang to Arsenal. Uh, and Bill today are linking Dortmund with Michi Batshuayi, who... Hmm. is not in favour at all hmm. at Chelsea, who look like they're going to sign Andy Carroll, or they're talking about signing Andy Carroll, which would free up Batshuayi to leave. Yeah. Stop laughing, Andrew. <laughs> uh, yeah, it would It would obviously free up Batshuayi to leave the club. And the the word from Bill today is that Dortmund are waiting on the Andy Carroll deal, sentence I never thought I'd be saying, to go through so yeah. that they could maybe get Batshuayi. And I'm, I'm sorry to take a minute here, but uh, what happened between Bartra and Peter Stoga? Uh, nothing. So, um, yeah, Mark Bartra is free to leave Dortmund. Um, it's nothing to do with the club. It's He wants to be closer to his family, and I, I think there's an element of every day, every game, he's on the same bus that he yeah. suffered the attack on, and he wants to get away from those. Okay. Just that, try and get, get it out of his head mm. and a fresh start, basically. His wife is also heavily pregnant, so I don't know if there's an element of wanting to be back in a more familiar country with a newborn child as well. I think that's perfectly reasonable. Yeah, I, I think... Sometimes life just has to come ahead of football. There's no there's no friction in Dortmund. He's, he loves the club, and but I, it's a situation where, for the sake of his life, he probably needs to get away now. Do we think Aubameyang will go through to Arsenal? It looks almost certain. Yeah, I mean, with Mkhitaryan being talked about in the Alexis deal, with, as we said, Batshuayi and Andy Carroll, um, there are a lot of moving parts, but it looks like it will happen at the moment, yeah. Okay. Uh, both of you have watched Malcolm play. Lewis, I believe you watched him recently. Uh, I, he's been talked about a lot, but I don't think a lot of people know much about him. What can Arsenal expect from him? It's a kid with a lot of potential. Um, is quite... 
it's technically really evolved and is quite fast. Uh, but I was talking to to Lewis uh, about him. Um, I don't know, a couple of days ago, and we both uh, think the same thing of him. It is quite inconsistent, and and that might be um, a problem right now. But uh, moving to a club like Arsenal and and getting some experience in a in the Premier League is probably gonna help a lot into you know be more consistent. Okay. Yeah, I mean, he's so he's twenty years old playing for one of the worst teams in France, which doesn't help. No, um, he's he shone for one of the worst teams in France. Yeah, so he's, he's, their, he's 20 years old and he's a winger. He's not a striker um, and he's their top goal scorer. He has the most assists at the club this season. You can see why they're desperate to hold on to him to the end of the season. And it yeah. sounds almost like uh, any deal at the moment as well might be done with a view with him joining at the end of the season rather okay. than joining Arsenal in January. And is, Bordeaux are proving to be tough about it. Yeah, I yeah. mean, they're... They were 13th before last night. They lost last night um, and had a, a new signing, a defender sent off in the dying stages of the game as well. Um, the, the manager's on the verge of being sacked. It looks like they are, they're really—they're a huge club and they're really desperate to stay in the league. And I think if they sold Malcolm, they would really, really be walking a fine line whether or not they could stay up. He's one of those guys that it, it, for 20, 30 minutes, you don't even notice that he's there and... S- and then for, he for creates nothing. Goal. It creates something absolutely <laughs> incredible. Hmm. Well, that'd be nice. Good to have him. Uh, one final. We're going to talk a bit of Real Madrid in a few moments. One final question before we move on to that: Is Paul Lambert at Stoke or Ryan Giggs at Wales the most uninspiring appointment of all time? It's Ryan Giggs, right? Ryan Giggs. I mean, at least Paul, uh, yeah. at least Paul Lambert has a bit of experience. Yeah, yeah. Paul Lambert supposedly has been around Germany a lot during his time off, like looking at Bayern mm. at Dortmund, seeing what different managers are doing in training. He also got a makeover. Did you notice? He this? did. He's not wearing his glasses anymore. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. so contact. That's that's good. So yeah, I think Ryan Giggs is not a particularly inspiring. Yeah, yeah. Ryan Giggs. Let's hear from Ryan during his time in charge of Manchester United. Team today, you're going to have to work hard because these work the bollocks off and they're good at home. But the team that we've got, we've got experience, we've got pace, we've got players who can, who are comfortable on the ball. They do die at the end. So, subs, you might, you might come on and win the game. So concentrate, watch the game. But, it's the last game of the season, we want to end on a high. We want to give our fans something to shout about. Fucking City or Liverpool are going to win the league. Um, give our fans something to shout about. It's been a frustrating season, but it's a good game to play in and one that I'm looking forward to because of the exciting players that we've got on the pitch. Okay? That was Ryan Giggs giving the lamest, most generic, most boring pre-match speech of all time. Lacking any sense of nuance or insight or forethought. And that monotone drone of his voice. Honestly, in first year in secondary school, I had a science <laughs> teacher. His name was Mr. Dwan. He gave us a speech during a double science class about why we should play rugby for this school. And that was more inspiring, inspiring than, than Ryan Giggs' speech. We've, we, seriously, we've all heard better pre-match Sunday league team talks, right? Yeah. Good. I was just checking. Just checking. I I got the feeling, you know, those guys that go from company to company, uh, do some workshop on team team group and stuff <laughs> like that. That was Ryan Keeks right there. It is amazing how boring it is. 
Yeah. Like startling how boring I think, boring like you is. said as well, if it's boring but contains information, I think we can let it slide. But there it's was so no, generic. nothing. There was yeah, nothing, nothing there. Imagine for a moment, Andre, you have a son. He's appointed manager of Portugal. How do you think you'd feel? I would be quite proud. You'd be quite proud, yeah. wouldn't you? Right. Yeah, naturally. Well, this is how Ryan Giggs' father feels about his son's appointment. He was speaking to the Sun newspaper. I can't even bring myself to use his name. I refer to him as the ex-footballer. As the eldest, he should have been watching his brother's back, not stabbing him in it. He cheated the worst possible way and is not man enough to apologise for it. I should be the proudest dad in the world, as happy as a lark by what he's achieved, but I'm ashamed of him. He puts himself first and all he cares about is his TV punditry and opening swanky hotels in Manchester. Now when I see him on TV, I switch off all the family do. This is amazing. It wow. still goes, by the way. I feel like going there and having it out with him. He's not fit for the job. It stinks. <laughs> the Welsh team manager is someone who's respected and looked up to in society. So could we see Ryan Giggs and his dad having it out? Is that what you're saying? Well, they make a great reality TV program. By the way, that clip you were saying gets a good rating on Internet Movie Database? Yeah, so that clip actually comes from a... A, a short film made about Ryan Giggs' time as caretaker boss at Manchester United and IMDB has it rated at 7.4 out of 10 so have to try and look for it online. What's it called? Uh, it's called Life of Ryan Caretaker <laughs> Manager <laughs> okay. Obviously Obviously You probably want to go check that out Let's do a quick musical sting demo and we'll come back and talk Real Madrid You remember last week we asked for an email from Robert Lewandowski? Yeah. Did he, did he answer? No. Oh. But a guy... Disappointed. A, bike, a guy called Johan has uh, emailed us in and he says, Hi guys, my name is Johan. Sorry, not Lewandowski. <laughs> Disappointing Johan, to be honest. Uh, love your show, by the way. Thank you very much. I just wanted to know... <clears throat> I've, let me start that again, Timo. Yeah. I just wanted to know, who do you guys think should be brought in to reinforce Real Madrid? He suggests getting Giroud up front. That's the silence greeted with that. No, no. I, I, it, it just came a bit from left field. Okay. I, think. I like Olivier Giroud. Me too. I think, I think Real Madrid should be going younger, though, if they're going to move on from Karim Benzema. Okay. Well, but just just that, just yeah. uh, Giroud is the, the... Well, you also mentioned Lastiara, but I don't know if Lastiara is still playing. I think it, 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 he is. But, I think but, he's still playing somewhere. Yeah, but again... Uh, Madrid, they need to to do some renovations, and that that means um, younger people in the squad. And the, and Zidane is trying to do that with some some kids from the academy, some some uh, players that return from from loans. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's not working right now. It's not that they're not bringing if, what they're expecting. Well, speaking speaking of not working, they lost on Saturday one 0 at home to Villarreal, which means Real Madrid are now closer to the relegation zone than they are to Barcelona. Here's a couple of reactions from Spain. The following morning, Ass had the headline, no goals, no look, no explanation. Anyone who says we played badly has no idea about football, said Tony Kroos. And the reality, said Marca, is that their battle is now with Sevilla and Villarreal to secure a Champions League spot for the 2018-19 season. Yeah, and they're right. They're right. They, 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 they should be more concerned about uh, going to Champions League football next season than actually fighting for for the title because 
that's uh, no contest right now. It's uh, it's going to be Barcelona, and uh, the, the only question is how many points do they're going to they're going to they're going to make. Well, last week we were approached with the question of whether Zidane could be sacked by the end of the season, and we sort of poo pooed it. Yeah. This is, I think it's 18 games Madrid have played in La Liga now, um, and they have fewer points than they did when Rafa Benitez was sacked after 18 games a few years back. Mm-hmm. But still, I feel, I feel like uh, Florentino still thinks uh, Zidane is part of the solution and not a problem at the club. Um, but things can change drastically uh, with the PSG game. I think that could be the turning point for for Zidane. If they lose, and if they lose in a shocking way, um, I can see I can see uh, Zidane being sacked. Okay. Well, maybe you you've watched Real Madrid a bit and you knew all about it. Maybe you could break down exactly where it's all going wrong at the moment. Uh, with this game in particular against um, against Villarreal. I, I personally think that Madrid did enough to get something from, from that game. Uh, it was one of those crazy games that you, you really try and you know, try hard and then everything that could possibly go wrong <laughs> happens. Um, but, but this Villarreal match is not the problem. The problem is everything that happened in the past uh, almost six months now. Um, I, I said I said here many many times that I I, I didn't understand um, why uh, Zidane um, gave away players like Morata and um, James Rodriguez. It, it was not a starter, but it was something that you know if you have a, a player with that quality on the bench, it can bring a lot to the game. Um, Does that also put more pressure on the players who are there as well? Knowing that, hey, we've got to perform a bit better. Knowing that players like Hamas can come definitely, on and definitely. take our places. Yeah, you know, now you you have two two types of players at Madrid: the ones that always start and the others, and it, that's never good for 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 a team. There's not just pressure on the starters when Hamas is there. There's also less pressure on younger guys like Marco Asensio, who we who we mm. talked about playing brilliantly at the end of last season and the beginning of this season. Because Marco Asensio knows when he goes on the pitch, he's not the last resort being chosen to save the game. It's, and now when Marco Asensio steps off the bench, Lucas Vasquez steps off the bench, everything is on their shoulders. Yeah, everything. With, with Borja Mayoral, is the same thing. I, 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 I feel is a very talented um, kid with a lot of potential. Is going to be a very, very good striker, but it's not on that level yet. And if Benzema and Cristiano are not scoring... That's Boja. He has, to, he has, he has to, to score. score. That's Boja, <laughs> and and that's not fair. That's not fair. And and uh, uh, I understand what Zidane wanted to do partially because he wanted to bring uh, kids from the academy to you know to bring his own signature um, and and some younger kids as well. But he probably brought too many at the same time. They're also susceptible to counterattacks. Very. This is a trend. It happened Very. against Villarreal. It happened against Barca. For the Suarez goal, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, Batiste, Numancia, Celta Vigo. I mean, is Zidane not working on these things on the on the training pitch, or or what's what is it? It's 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 definitely uh, partially a, a a training problem, but it's not only that. They uh, a Real Madrid team playing with um, uh, Pep and Sergio Ramos is way more reliable mm-hmm. to counterattack than playing with Varane and Nacho, for instance. It's 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 
quite different to to have it and, and also uh last last season the the second half of the season we saw Casemiro playing like crazy it was incredible it was the, the key to a lot of matches and this season so far he has been uh a below par that's that's True, and, and not only Casemiro, I can see some other names. Of course, uh, Cristiano is not producing goals. Um, it looks like he's also unhappy <laughs> at, at Madrid right now. Well, he's um, found out how much more money Lionel Messi is getting paid yeah, than him. <laughs> probably something like that. Um, Benzema um, is is not scoring. Uh, Bale is is as inconsistent as he was last season. Partially, you know, uh, injured. That's I would, I would say that's probably pretty much the life of, of Gareth these days. And also, Tony Kroos and Modric are not producing as much as we, you know, expect mm. from such quality players. Uh, they had uh, Carvajal uh, injured for uh, months and months. Uh, it's it's complicated. It's it's a lot. I, I would say that there are a lot of elements, and it's this is the perfect storm to to, to something. Um, becomes terrible because yeah. that's the that's the situation right now. There was a great headline on Marca the other day. It said there can be no excuses, but the referees must be looked at. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wanted to talk about the goals uh, because at the, we're basically at the halfway point of the championship. Madrid's top scorer has only four goals, and that's Asensio, Bale, and Ronaldo. Yeah, they are averaging a goal fewer than last season. So last season they were two point seven eight. This season they're one point seven seven. Thanks to Sid Lowe for those those stats. I didn't count them myself. Uh, also, uh, Madrid are the other team with uh, more um, uh, woodwork in uh, in all La Liga. Uh, I think Benzema uh, alone counts five, something like that. I mean, that's just unlucky. <laughs> that's that's unlucky. That's well, see now we t- we talked about this in our pre-planned meeting. Yeah, if you if you're hitting the post more ten times than any other team, if you're if one guy's hitting the post the bar five times in half a season, that's that's got to be unlucky. Once or twice, I'll give it to you that it's unlucky. After a while, it's, it's when ma- those when the goals start going down, like the the amount of goals <laughs> they're scoring keeps going down, I'm thinking that's bad finishing. It's a it's the matter of an inch. Like, that's what that's that's what it, all it takes. I, I can see. That's, that's all it takes. Yeah, it is, but I, I can see both sides on this. I think one. if you Real Madrid are missing a lot of chances at the moment, and that is the the reason that I don't think they deserve the the panic that seems to be spreading. If you're not creating chances, you're in real big trouble. If you're creating chances, these players will score. They it, it might take half a season of. Bad finishing, bad luck. Like Karim Benzema and Cristiano Ronaldo can't suddenly not shoot. They uh, Gareth Bale as well, Isco. They're all really talented footballers, and the goals will start to go in. I mean, it is pretty freakish because Ronaldo's doing well in Europe. It's just he's yeah. not scoring them in the That's league, that's the oddest thing in about yeah. about the all equation is like you you see Madrid playing at Europe, and you can spot some of the the problems they have um, in in Spain, but. Uh, Goals are happening. But they're scoring. That's yeah. that's I mean, different. Yeah, like like we say, they're not suddenly bad players. There was, I think, a couple of really good chances against Villarreal, a couple of bad shots, and uh, Asenjo with a couple of really really impressive saves as well. One right at the end of the first half to deny Ronaldo from about six yards. I mean. It, it will just go in most of the time. Goalkeepers a, won't produce a stunning save, and that's nor- why Ronaldo has scored so many goals. Yeah, in a normal um, 
game, let's call it, uh, against Villarreal, Ronaldo would, would score three goals, possibly. Yeah, I, I guess the problem is we call it a freakish game, but they've had too many of them this season. And, yeah. But I think if we look at last season, with all the late goals they scored, they've scored, I think, one goal in injury time all season this year. Last year, wow. last year they scored loads. They did all loads of them. Yeah. Almost yeah. every week they were scoring yeah, yeah. in injury time. And I think it's just one of those things. Sometimes, and last season it felt like it, every time they attacked in injury time, they scored. And every single shot went in. It was, and now none of them are. I, and it, I think it is actually just a case yeah, of there's, evening there's, out. There's also now a mental handicap because uh, they feel like if, even when they try harder, mm. they cannot do it. Yeah. Um, and there's also another thing that is I would like to, to mention Madrid. about Madrid. Yeah. I I'm really curious what goes in Zidane's head right now, because <laughs> um, he's not he's not going for a plan B. For for the whole uh, first half of the season, Madrid, Madrid tried the same old plan and it didn't work. And he didn't try anything, uh, you know, drastically different. Which, for me, it's surprising. If I'm, if I'm trying the same old thing and it doesn't work, I go for the plan B. That's and the it, definition it didn't. of insanity. Yeah, yeah. And and I would like to see more uh, Ceballos on the pitch mm. and uh, Marcos Llorente, for instance, because Casemiro. And uh, and Kors or Modric, they're not producing enough football. So Ceballos could be a, an answer f to to that problem. But but he's not doing that. He's not playing much. Okay, we were going to wrap up the podcast with our word about Sevilla, but then Ronaldinho went and uh, retired. One of the I just want a brief word from both of you. Arguably one of the most enjoyable footballers mm -hmm. of all time Definitely. to watch. It's it's the definition of fun when it comes to modern football. To be honest, it, it, did you have a favorite moment? I have one. I don't know. Uh, so so many. There, there's one thing I always remember when it comes to Ronaldinho is the fact that he was genuinely happy playing football mm -hmm. and he, he felt the same playing in Camp Nou as he felt when he was playing uh, in, in Brazil you know with friends uh, on the recess it's the same thing it's like it's the joy of football pure joy of football I often feel like he gets overlooked but a wonderfully talented footballer no uh, definitely yeah. there's no yeah. question really about it amazing uh, I was going to mention the toe poke against Chelsea Oh. I've never seen a goal scored like that before. I, I've, for me, two things, if I can. Yeah, go on. Uh, the being applauded off the pitch by the Real Madrid fans at the uh -huh. Bernabeu, yeah, yeah. which is unheard of. Um, and in this era of Messi and Ronaldo, it could probably never happen again. <laughs> um, and I, I can't even remember who it was against. I just remember as a kid watching a Barcelona game and a goal kick was taken and Ronaldinho bent over and faced away from the ball in the middle of the pitch and let it just let it hit his back and it bounced down to a, a Barcelona player. And I, I've never seen anything else like it before or since. Stupid good. It was one of the greatest, without any, any uh, doubt. Lovely. We'll, we'll leave it on that for a positive note for today. My thanks as ever to Andre. Lewis and producer Demo and thanks to you for listening.